Fusion, the international science radio show. We have a bouncer and the doors of perception. The good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exciting. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Sit back and relax while we inject weird and wonderful science directly into your brain. I'm Ian Wolfe. On this edition, rejuvenate your brain, pain and contraception. But first, here's the news. Black tea treats herpes. Fear flavons extracted from ordinary black tea reduces or blocks herpes viruses. Black tea extract inhibits infection of the herpes virus by interfering in the attachment, penetration and replication of herpes virus particles. The paper, Effect of Black Tea Extract on Herpes Simplex Virus 1, Infection of Cultured Cells, was published in the journal BMC Complementary and Alternative Medicine in 2013. Earlier research reported on the effectiveness of external application of cooled black tea bags or cooled liquid from brewed black tea to herpes sores, cold sores and shingles. The tannins calm the lesions and heal them up more quickly than a cyclovir, the standard anti-herpes drug. The paper was titled Inhibition of herpes simplex virus infection by tannins and related compounds, and was published in the journal Antiviral Research in 1989. Just remember that the tea must be cooled. Asthma is connected to the stomach and the bones via food. Swiss researchers at the University Hospital of Lausanne have found that fermentable fibre in the diet feeds bacteria in the gut, which make short-chain fatty acids. The short-chain fatty acids act on bone marrow to make immune cells that are less able to trigger inflammation in the airways, leading to fewer asthma attacks. The chest bone is connected to the stomach bone, which is connected to the bone marrow and the immune system. In mice, people suffering asthma and other inflammatory diseases are recommended a high-fibre diet while researchers investigate using purified short-chain fatty acids as a supplement for directly treating asthma. The paper is titled Gut Microbiota Metabolism of Dietary Fibre Influences Allergic Airway Disease and Hematopoiesis and was published in the journal Nature Medicine in 2014. Neuroplasticity is now understood to be something our brains can access, even as we age. But it's long been understood that there's a critical period, 
a window of opportunity when we're very young, when our brains can acquire skills that are difficult or even impossible for most people as adults, such as absolute pitch and languages. Learning such things after the age of seven years old is never as good. But what if a pill could let you learn as easily as a small child, but with the discipline of an adult? In a paper titled The Potential of HDAC Inhibitors as Cognitive Enhancers, published in the Annual Review of Pharmacology and Toxicology, MIT researchers have used an epilepsy drug called Valproate to allow adult humans to learn pitch in a way that normally would have been possible only if they were children under 7 years old in the critical period. The researchers believe they've restored the adult subject's brains to a juvenile plastic state. Valproate belongs to a class of mood stabilizers called histone, deacetylase or HDAC inhibitors and they change gene expression in the brain. They include sirtuins, which have been implicated in rejuvenation treatments for mice. They require NAD+, which was the target for the rejuvenation treatment for mice, I reported in previous news. Give them nicotinamide mononucleotide injections, and they produced more NAD+, in their cells, and they rejuvenated, and they had cognitive improvements, as well as muscle improvements. Epigenetic gene transcription causes memory formation. And so a drug that changes epigenetic gene transcription could change the way memories are laid down. It's a lot easier to study the learning of absolute pitch than it is to study language acquisition, particularly in mice. The initial research was performed in mice, where HDAC inhibitors allowed mice to learn as if they were pups. The research suggested that the HDAC enzyme acts as a break on the juvenile plasticity in the brain of adults, ending the critical period. Inhibiting this break can open up the fast learning again. R.A. Lafferty wrote a story about this called Slow Tuesday Night, where he draws a society where the breaks on learning have been removed. Absolute pitch is the ability to identify or sing a specific note without any reference points. Only 1 in 10,000 people have absolute pitch. People who have musical training up to age 6 may develop absolute pitch. People who learn music after age 9 never develop absolute pitch. Absolute pitch is a good model of the interaction of genes and experience in learning. For the human trials, they gave Valproate to a group of healthy young men with no musical training. The men performed musical exercises for two weeks to improve their pitch. Another group were given a placebo and asked to perform the same exercises. The subjects given the Valproate learned to identify pitch significantly better than those taking the placebo. This is the first time adults have been reported acquiring absolute pitch. The implications are that by bringing their brain plasticity back to a juvenile state, people could learn languages as easily as a child. In an interview with American National Public Radio, NPR, Professor Hench warns that before we all jump to get prescribed a speed learning pill that's already on the market for epilepsy, that it might be dangerous to blindly play with undoing the brakes on our brain's critical period. We need to understand it thoroughly. He believes that we evolved a critical period to match our brain to our childhood environment acquiring language, culture, and identity.
he believes that the critical period is inhibited to make sure these important skills and our identity don't get erased. Of course, if you've been damaged by a traumatic childhood, then this kind of erasure may be exactly what the doctor ordered. You're listening to Diffusion Science Radio. Send emails to science at diffusionradio.com. We're brought to you across Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast over the internet on www.diffusionradio.com. And next, Science Style by the George Centre for Musical Therapy. This is Science Style. When you see some things in the world that seem strange, makes you stop and wonder what could have caused that change. You don't have to wonder, you just have to use your brain. The scientific method will save the day again. First you ask the question, who, what, why, when, how, or where, then you Checking at the library on Foursquare Then you make a guess Test it out with an experiment Results will blow your mind Tell us what you find Galileo, Einstein and Hubble All knew what's up They knew what's up They perfected the scientific method To find out why You must comply With these steps it's not complex Just ask Bill now This is science style. Science style. This is science style. Science style. This is science style. Hey, all you chemists. This is science style. Hey, all you biologists. This is an educated guest Based on observations, now we'll put it to the test The scientific method is a structured way to learn No more urban legends, you must be able to discern Got two variables, independent and dependent Dependence, what you measure A baseball player's batting percent Independence, what you change Like his bat metal or wood Tell me which one would make him hit real good This is science style. Science style. And now an unbroadcast discussion from the depths of 2009 between myself and Dr. Patrick Ruby about pain, placebo, and contraception. There was a story about the placebo effect in the spine and the mind on ABC Science. In the spine and the mind. Hmm. They're saying, basically, that simply believing a pain treatment is effective actually dampens pain signalling in a region of the spinal cord called the dorsal horn, and they can see this when they image the spine. Hmm. So they're not just seeing an effect in the brain. Previously, the placebo effect was thought to be to do with your model of your body and your brain. Mm -hmm. So you were only affecting the model, like like a little voodoo doll in your brain, where your perceptions were changed... 
but not your actual. But the body. actual signals were the same. It's just yeah. how you interpreted them. That's yeah. right. But this is suggesting that that's not true. Mm. That it's way more powerful than that, and that the actual signals are changing in your body, not just in your brain. So it's not just in the mind and the brain. It's in the mind and the whole body. So it's down at the level of the dorsal horn. In, the whole. In the, in the spinal cord, yeah. In the spinal cord in your central nervous system. So they're looking at functional magnetic resonance imaging, mm-hmm. which everybody should have access to, to play with. It looks like <laughs> the best toy ever. All the that best. would be wonderful if we could all have our own MRIs, functional MRIs desktop. to play with desktop. on your desktop. Yeah. So yeah. how did they test this? Well, of course, being, the, being medical researchers, they had to torture their subjects. So they apply <laughs> pain. Well, you got a, a pain perception, right? Yes, that's true. Yeah. So you have to think. There's two things you have to do, right? You've got to apply pain, and then you've got to lie to people because you're trying to deceive them with placebo effect, mm. right? Because traditional placebo effect is deception, even though that's not the only way to do it. So they applied painful heat to the arms of 15 healthy men. Now mm-hmm. it's a very small sample size, I must say. Yes. And they compared the spinal cord responses when they thought they'd been treated. In other words, they lied to them with either an anaesthetic cream or a placebo cream. Mm-hmm. So both creams were, in fact, inactive. But the, So they lied to, to the researchers as well by the sound of it. Double blind. So the anaesthetic cream was inactive, was it? Or That's what they're saying. Both creams, placebo uh-huh. and the anaesthetic cream, was inactive. But the fMRI scans showed nerve activity was reduced significantly when subjects believed they were getting the anaesthetic. So uh-huh. the anaesthetic was an anaesthetic, but it wasn't one that should affect this type of pain, is what they're saying. Okay. So the ability of sham medicines, fake medicines, lies, mm. or a ritual, if you will, because that's really what giving a medicine is. It's a ritual. When there's no active ingredient, you can get real clinical benefits. Mm-hmm. And this is something that's confused doctors and you know, frustrated drug makers. So... This, this, and but this forms, is different. forms a basis for some alternative medicines, I suppose. Very, very likely. They're giving you a ritual where you're mm. believing you're getting something beneficial and your body does the rest. Mm. But they do it for a very expensive sort of way, often that persuade you not to take traditional medicine that you might actually need for some of the causes of your problem. So what do they think the physical mechanism is for it? What underlies the fact that on a physical level, a placebo effect does actually cause a reduction in pain. Well, lead researcher Falk Opert of the University Medical Centre of Hamburg-Eppendorf suspects a range of chemicals including natural opioids, Mm -hmm. noradrenaline and serotonin may be involved. Mm. Those are part of the descending inhibitory pathway, I think. Because when you register pain in your periphery, so in your arms or your legs or anything that's traveling from uh, the peripheral part of your body to the central part, um, they all go in through the dorsal horn of the spinal cord. That's, that's where most of the sensory fibers go. Then they have a pit stop where you know, one fiber communicates with another in the dorsal horn. And then that one then sends its message up through the spinal cord up into different areas of the brain. Um, and different areas of the brain stem as well, which coordinate different reactions to pain. Um, and at the same time, you have a descending pathway that um, that is responsible for switching off some of the stronger signals of pain. 
Um, there, there used to be a lot of research on it. You may have heard of the, the gating theory of pain. Yes. That was around for a while where where um, they believe that there was a mechanism whereby you're able to switch off any excess pain. They think it's a little bit more complicated than that now. Didn't they have uh, chili-based pain relievers based on the idea that you overload the gates? Yes. Well, that's that's one theory. If, um, capsaicin yes. is, a, is an active compound you find in chili, and that works at the peripheral site. I, I think it may also work centrally as well. I used to know a little, a little bit more about it than I do now. But the idea at the, on the peripheral location is that it exhausts the amount of neurotransmitter at that first site where you're transmitting from the peripheral nerve to the nerve in the dorsal horn. It exhausts the neurotransmitters so that it can't release them anymore and therefore you get a bit of pain relief. The interesting thing here is that also with particularly spinal problems is that they've recently shown that spinal surgery is in fact no better than having no spinal surgery at all. That it than having actually... sham surgery or nothing? Well, both. Um, there are lots of evidences that sham surgery can put in a placebo effect. Mm-hmm. So again, it's it seems like it's a ritual. I don't think the faith of it is important because you can have a placebo benefit when you have no faith. Mm-hmm. If you're even suspicious that this drug might not work for you, you can still get a placebo effect. In fact, you could take a sugar pill and go, I wonder if I'll get a placebo effect, and you might still. It's possible that we might be able to develop rituals other than lying to people about medical treatments that might also be able to get the placebo going once mm-hmm. we understand how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we do, the drug companies better invest in it. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else that's hot off the news today, And I've heard that there may be some alarming news about... Uh, the contraceptive pill, some potential hazardous effects of the contraceptive pill. All right. Well, I don't have any of the information right in front of me. <laughs> but I believe the what they've done is they've managed to confirm some of the old things they knew were problems with the mm-hmm. contraceptive pill. So the contraceptive pill in, basically stops a woman's monthly menstrual cycle mm-hmm. and fools her body into thinking she's pregnant. Now, this has consequences because things, there are a lot of hormonally controlled things that change. So one of the things that they've confirmed is that a woman's sexual preference for men changes. So Sexual preference for men? How, how does it change? In what way? Well, normally when you're selecting a mate, um, men and women are sensitive to uh, genetic differences. You want someone that's not closely related to you and... The MHC that we discussed on the vaccination special, which is your body's record of what you're genetically immune to, what diseases you naturally resist, if it's different to the person you're going to have a child with, then you're likely to have a child that's resistant to lots of different things instead of just the same things. Mm Mm-hmm. And the same goes for all sorts of other things, but generally it's, it's one of the ways we look for people who are not related to us to have children with. And... There's all sorts of other things to do with compatibility and, and viable, just having children at all. So when you take the pill and your body thinks you're pregnant, um, women will then prefer the opposite kind of male who is closely related, genetically at least, if not in actuality, because they'll help her look after the child. 
and her while she's pregnant. Uh, and this is all thought to be linked to the MHC gene. That's is part it? of what they're they're thinking is how the body how the brain knows what's oh, okay. going on for the mate selection. So the danger is in this case that you meet someone and fall in love while you're taking the pill uh, if you're a woman and then you enter a long-term partnership, you get married or whatever and you decide to have a child and when a woman stops taking the pill, this will no longer be affecting her mate selection and her natural mate selection kicks in and the guy she's chosen will have been someone who's not genetically compatible. So one, she'll be less attracted physically and two, she may not be able to conceive with this guy or if she does, she'll conceive a child that won't be as healthy as a guy that she'd chosen otherwise. That won't have the the right mix of immunity. That's right. To certain things. Amongst okay. other things. And the other thing, of course, is that, unfortunately, the contraceptive pill reduces sex drive in most women, and it seems to be a permanent effect, like it doesn't come back when you stop taking the pill. Hmm. So that's another issue. This is something. This is something that happens after you've been taking the pill for a while, or something that might happen straight I away? I think it's after a very short period of time. I'd need to look mm. at the research again. On the flip side, though, I do know that there are several benefits to taking the contraceptive pill, apart from, obviously, being able to control birth. Um, contraceptive pills have been used to control um, menstrual cycles, especially when uh, women have particularly heavy bleeding. Um, it helps to to regulate that and to reduce heavy periods. Um, and the discomfort that uh, women may feel during these periods. Um, the pill also has been shown to have some beneficial effects in preventing or reducing the risk of getting some types of cancer, specifically ovarian and endometrial cancers. I think it reduces your risk when you've been taking it um, for a fair amount of time after about four, five, six years. It significantly reduces your risk. Um, and, yeah, so there we go. They Well, obviously, it's an essential drug. It's got all these benefits for mm. women that they can't miss out on, as well as being a really good contraceptive that's mm. changed the world. It's but, also good if you have acne. Well, that's right. If you're a woman with acne, if you're a yeah. man with acne, too bad. But if you're a woman <laughs> with acne, then the contraceptive pill, the estrogen, can help your skin. Mm -hmm. recover uh, they obviously need to work on the side effects mm. and make it a gentler pill with less side effects mm. I mean it's well they're, they're modifying it all the time there's, there's several types of pills that you can get now several type of mixtures it's there there was traditionally the estrogen only pill and now there's the mix mixture of estrogen and progesterone and you can progesterone and you can get progesterone only pills as well um, all with slightly different ways of acting and uh, slightly different effects as a result of that. Um, so there's a fair bit of choice. Uh, <laughs> but for birth control, I suppose the condom is probably still something which has... Well, unless you have the latex well, it's allergy. Also cheap. But it's it's odd that we... I know in Australia we certainly don't have all of the contraceptive devices that are available other places in the world. Mm. Like for example, in the US and Canada, they have a vaginal contraceptive film, mm -hmm. which is basically a film that dissolves into a gel 
once it's inserted and, and body warms it up and it's supposed to be you know 99% effective which is pretty close to the same effectiveness of a condom uh, for contraception it's not rated as protecting you against STDs but the manufacturer says you know without they haven't done the clinical trials but it's suggestive evidence that it might mm-hmm. so if they went and funded the trials maybe they might be able to show that it does and so but that's not available in Australia mm. it's not on sale um, you can get IUDs you can get condoms you can get contraceptive pills um, in some states you can get morning after pills on prescription although a couple of up before the courts for that recently in Australia um, where they might go to jail because oh. they they got it by mail order from Russia I think oh dear like mail order from Russia but it was an abortion pill it was a morning after pill yeah and I would have thought why is that a, a crime but in Queensland abortion's a crime oh, interesting. so this woman might go to jail and her husband mm. Because it's a complicated had, area. It's a complicated area indeed that we need better technology for everyone. Thank you to the awesome Dr. Patrick Ruby for the time he was able to give in 2009. And that's all from us this week on Diffusion. Would you like to join us? We need more people contributing stories to Diffusion. You can send your contributions, opinions, congratulations, standing ovations, gasps of amazement and helpful suggestions to science at diffusionradio.com. That's science at diffusionradio.com. And please do send me an email so I know you're listening and you'd like to hear more episodes. Please like our Facebook page and leave a comment. Contributing to Diffusion this week was Dr. Patrick Ruby from 2009. I produce Diffusion, which is broadcast around Australia on the community radio network and to True Triple H in Hornsby, Karingai. Diffusion is syndicated on the National Science Foundation's Science360 internet radio station. Ask your local radio station to broadcast Diffusion. Subscribe to our podcast on the Diffusion website, www.diffusionradio.com. That's www.diffusionradio.com. And look to diffusionradio.com for all the links related to all the stories you heard. In 2013, I conducted, recorded and broadcast... 58 interviews. Diffusion needs funding outside of the Bank of Ian. Please contact me at science at diffusionradio.com if you'd like to suggest a business model, sponsor the show, help with applying for grants, or look for the donate button on diffusionradio.com to contribute to the costs of producing the podcast. This week, a big thank you to Regina for her donation. I'm Ian Wolfe. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio.